Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, filling in for Sarah Wheeler while she's on leave. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Boyd, Chief Strategy Officer at Turner Housing Innovation Labs. Michelle joined me for a fireside chat on Housing Wire's recent affordability virtual event, and I wanted to continue the conversation on Housing Wire Daily. Michelle, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Could you start by introducing yourself and the Turner Center to our audience? Absolutely. So the Turner Center for Housing Innovation is a research and policy center based out of UC Berkeley. We're about seven years old and our mission is to, the mission is to put out bold ideas around housing affordability, sustainability, and access uh, in the policy sphere and in how people practice housing as in finance, build, and manage it, uh, manage and sell it. Uh, We have done a lot of work around land use I reform here in California nationally, uh, also work around construction innovation and housing finance and single family and multifamily, and a lot of work also on the provision of services for people experiencing homelessness. Uh, Turner Labs, Turner Housing Innovation Labs is our nonprofit affiliate, uh, which I help lead. And we expand on the Turner Center's kind of core work and research and policy to directly work with innovative uh, companies and innovative approaches that can help increase housing accessibility, affordability, equity, sustainability. Uh, so we do that through a couple programs. One is our Hallmark program called the Housing Lab, where we partner with a small cohort of ventures, nonprofits or for-profits from across the country. And we help them evolve their ideas and partner with the government and grow, hopefully, really quickly. This ranges from tech products, which we may talk about, to new real estate development models, to new home finance products, and everything in between. Uh, we also build our own data tools and data sets that we think can broadly serve the sector, uh, which we provide directly to the government or open up to the public. Though we've seen some recent improvements in home affordability with mortgage rates declining from highs in the sevens, the past few years have not been great for first-time and minority home buyers. What do you think are the main issues leading to our current affordability crisis? I think the hallmark one is one that probably isn't a surprise to anyone who listens to you regularly, uh, but is just the core, the underbuilding of housing in the places where people want to live. It's something that's been happening over the past couple decades, specifically since the recession, uh, in which the cost of construction has gone up. Uh, There's huge restrictions in land use, so like how you're allowed to build what type of housing and where and what size, uh, and labor shortages where the construction market has never recovered from the people who left the construction sector during the great financial crisis. And I think a subtlety there is also underbuilding of the types of housing that people can afford. We have built bigger homes, nicer homes, homes further further driving distance away from core job centers and have really underbuilt starter homes, uh, more simple and affordable structures that can be someone's you know, first home that they purchase. Uh, and 
that has to do with a lot of reasons that I'm sure we could spend a lot of time discussing, but uh, part of it is just the, you know, low cost of financing. People could access more income inequality. People can buy those bigger houses. Home builders make a higher margin on those bigger houses uh, and kind of everything in between. Uh, similarly, or in, additionally, really in this rate rising environment, uh, we're seeing the Fed trying to use a tool around rising rates uh, that uh, has a different, you know, it applies differently in our economy than it has in past economies. We're more of a service sector, tech sector economy, uh, and their real estate is one of the sectors that's most sensitive to rising rates. And so in many ways, we're seeing the real estate sector, home buying sector get crushed in an effort to slow down the economy while we're not actually fixing the underlying things that are causing price inflation within housing, such as underbuilding. And the last thing I'll say is the the layer was a we've always had a racial wealth gap in the U.S. It's worse now than it was in uh, the middle of the 1900s, and part of that is how much wealth, particularly black wealth, got wiped out during the Great Recession through bad lending, through uh, people being encouraged to overextend themselves, through the ways that the government bailed out certain communities better than others, uh, and because of that, we've seen. Uh, during the low rate environment, it was just easier uh, for families who accumulated wealth to purchase and take advantage of that low wealth, that low rate environment. Uh, and that disproportionately went into uh, white families and uh, not into communities of color. And how are you and the team at the Turner Center addressing all of these challenges? Uh, well, we, we work across a couple different areas to try and work towards solutions. So a big part of our work is trying to shift policy. So thinking about how everything from home lending at the federal level is regulated to land use at a local and state level is regulated. We also are looking at uh, solutions that can drive down the cost of construction, make it more feasible to build smaller homes or more accessible homes that people can afford. And we directly, as I mentioned, support innovative ventures through our housing lab programming uh, that build technology are trying to come up with new ways uh, to make the housing that we're constructing and rehabilitating more affordable and accessible. And could you give me an example business or organization or maybe two in the housing labs portfolio that are addressing uh, this affordability crisis? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll give you two that kind of span uh, the earth, three maybe, if that's okay. Uh, so on the idea of you know underbuilding and not having enough supply, we're supporting a company called Module, which is based out of Pittsburgh, uh, that is trying to find less expensive and more sustainable ways to build smaller housing. So we talk about this as infill housing to housing that goes within an existing urban landscape. And so they use techniques of industrialized construction. So building more of the housing offsite in a factory and then shipping the parts of it to be assembled on site and are also doing it uh, building net zero homes. Uh, and their homes are row houses, small multifamily uh, units that can be great starter homes or long term homes for people in the more moderate income spectrum. And they're doing this in a way that's trying to incorporate local uh, trades training programs. 
uh, and collaborating with both nonprofits and local uh, builders who want to be able to build this type of housing, but otherwise can't make the numbers work. Very different example, more on the financing side, and this has to deal more directly at the questions of racial equity. We have a group that we uh, are supporting, have supported called Black Star Stability, that is helping support families that have unintentionally, potentially unknown to them, entered into predatory arrangements. So one of the predatory financing arrangements. So because traditional traditional homes and traditional home financing products are increasingly out of reach and have been for a long time out of reach for families of color, the gap has been filled by what used to be mom and pops and now are in some ways institutional and some institutional investors who are providing predatory financing arrangements to families of color. Uh, this is looks no different than it did back, you know, 60, 70 years ago in the con is uh, it's a land contract or contract for deed uh, where you pay much higher monthly payments and then you don't actually own the house until the last payment is made. Very traditional different from a mortgage. And so Black Star Stability is uh, has raised funding to go out and purchase uh, the homes that are owned by these predatory financiers uh, and transition the families that are in these predatory arrangements into uh, traditional mortgages. And they're able to do that. These arrangements are so predatory that they're able to do that when or when they take this over and make the conversion. They can transfer twenty dollars to $25,000 of wealth to the family immediately uh, and lower their monthly uh, housing payment by $250. And so we're really helping them expand into that market. Michelle, let's let's stick with that one for a moment and, and go into a little bit more detail. Um, it, do you think that 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 model is is scalable um, ac- across the country or on a national basis? Absolutely, I think it it's something that works better at scale. Part of the challenge is getting is finding the investors and entities that own these predatory arrangements. They're used to operating in the shadows. Uh, And there's been some action by attorneys general at state levels at the state to find some of these investors and sue some of these investors and try and get them to sell to someone like Blackstar or just overall stop doing this practice. So part of the path for scale will be pushing for more transparency and regulation in these types of practices as they exist. Uh, the majority of the, I, I know that as Blackstar is looking to purchase these homes, they find most of them as contractor in the Southeast and Midwest where there's less strong uh, regulation preventing these practices to begin with. Uh, but I absolutely, absolutely think that, think it's scalable. And how do entrepreneurs and other housing professionals get involved with the Turner Center? How do they connect with you and how do they put their organization forward as, uh, you know, as an opportunity for investment? So once a year, we do an open call for applications uh, and that is coming up in just over two weeks. So if anyone is interested and anyone listening is interested in working with us, uh, I encourage you to go to our website, turnerlabs.org, and it's T-E-R-N-E-R-L-A-B-S.org, and sign up for a newsletter so that you'll be notified when our application opens. Or if you know someone out there who's doing something really cool that you think would benefit from our support, the main way we work with companies is we provide them with weekly coaching to help evolve their core product or business model. We provide them with a grant that helps them grow, whether they're for-profit or nonprofit. 
uh, and we provide them with coaching and access into a national network of trade associations, nonprofits, media outlets like this, uh, and folks in the state and federal governments that can help them expand their work. Uh, we also support them with fundraising as we are able. Uh, so really excited to be out there looking for the next group of entrepreneurs that we'll be supporting in 2023. So the timing is almost perfect. And we'll make sure to get the web URL and other information into the show notes so that uh, listeners in our audience can get more information and hopefully get their application lined up for this this next round of, of companies that are going to join uh, the portfolio. Yeah, the timing is perfect. Thanks for timing your affordable housing uh, minicon in line with our application process uh, and for giving us a chance to get the word out. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Appreciate it very much and look forward to continuing the affordability conversation going forward. Thanks so much. Thank you. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.